global worship and creative pastor Cass Langdon's passion for spiritual creativity and worshipping God through our creative and artistic talents is clearly evident and it was a joy speaking with her at Hillsong's Chapel on a rainy day in late 2021. Cass leads teams of musicians, artists, dancers, photographers and technicians who are using their gifts for the kingdom of God in amazing ways. She speaks with me about how the Bible shows God's love of creativity and the creators, where she sees worship being expressed in different ways and her own journey of following God wherever he leads. I'm Carl Fays and this is my interview with Cass Langdon. So Cass, where did you start expressing yourself through music? Ah, through music. Um, it's a really fun one. I feel like I was that kid who was taught piano. So my mum paid heavily for piano lessons. Yep. I got to grade six piano, I think, and I was never very good. Okay. So I don't think that that was my forte. I think maybe I learnt music in the third row at a little Baptist church, and that's where I developed a love for worship and for singing. Yep. I can remember being maybe 11 campaigning to have the lead role in Cool in the Furnace in a musical. <laughs> and the problem was, is that it was Daniel who was the lead role. So I can remember going to one of the guys and going, honestly, you need to let the girls in. Can't we rewrite this? That, that it's just a narrator because I wanted so much to do the tap dancing solo and I wanted to sing the songs and be involved in the musical. In that time as a kid, what did you feel when you were doing that stuff? I mean, why did you desperately want to do it? Um, I think it was just joyous. Like it yeah. was actually, I, I came from a thriving church community and music was very much at the centre of what we did. Mm. And we had all sorts of expressions from a guy who ran like part of the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra right through to very, very contemporary musical expressions. And I think I just loved it. I think wow. my parents have an appreciation for music. There was always music in our house. Um, and then our church um, fostered a whole lot of people like um, Ben Fielding, Reuben Morgan, like all of those guys came from our church in Melbourne. Wow. And so we would get together as like the youth group and we would rehearse and play and sing and worship and it was part of our expression. Wow. So how did you get into a role in a church? You now head up worship internationally <laughs> for, the, for the Hillsong Network of Churches. Yeah. So how did you get a job in a church? Um, the grace of God. I actually worked for Shell Oil Company straight out of university. Yep. And I had begged my dad to let me go and study theology at a Bible college. And he told me that pastors were most effective when they actually had a real job <laughs> and they could relate to real people. Yep. And so we fought over it. And I ended up doing a Bachelor of Business in HR and Marketing at Monash University in Melbourne. And as far as he was concerned, I was never going to work for a church. Then I married a guy who worked at or who studied at Ridley Anglican College in Melbourne and he all he wanted to do was be a pastor and do ministry. So after we first got married, we moved to Sydney and went, OK, we will come to Hillsong Church and we are going to volunteer here for one or two years and then we're going to go plant churches. Mm -hmm. We had no um, idea that we would end up on staff here or that we would stay here for 25 years. Yeah. When you married a pastor, did you think you were going to do the classic pastor's wife? No, thing? I was never going to do that. The biggest fight we ever had before we got married was I can remember being at the front of my house going, I'm not going to play the organ and I'm not going to bake lamingtons. It's not what I actually feel like I'm meant to do. And he went, well, what are you meant to do? And I went, well, I wanted to go to Bible college. My dad said, no, I'm doing business. So unless the Lord calls me out of business, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And yeah. he went, well, I'm marrying a pastor's wife. 
And I went, I, I cannot imagine what that is. Yeah. So what was your first job in a church? Um, my first job in a church was running um, the creative administration for Donna Crouch yep. here at Hillsong Church. Yep. So what did you learn in that role? Uh, <laughs> that there was a lot more work in building the church than I ever imagined there was. Yeah. I learned um, how to serve, how to lay my life down. I learned that ministry wasn't a clock on, clock off thing at um, 9am and clock off at 5. I often laugh with our team because I go my first day in the office. I think it was a Wednesday and I came in at five o'clock. I said to Donna, Donna, would it be okay if I went home now? And maybe that night at 10.30, I walked out of wow. the building and yep. went home. Yep. And <laughs> Rich went, what is this? And I went, I'm not really sure. Anyway, on the next night, I didn't realize, but it was a creative ministries night. So I got home at 10.30 again the second night. And then I hadn't realized, but I actually ended up working Saturdays and Sundays, but it was never on my initial application. Wow. Wow. So at the end of the first week, I got a good idea that I wasn't sure what I was going to expect and every week would be different and we would roll with it. Wow. But I learned that the Lord provided. Yeah. You stepped into the, the creative ministry's role. What's, yes. what's that like in a, a place? This one? Yes. Okay. So over my journey at church, I actually started working for Donna and then I ran our marketing department, our events department, and then I came off staff after we had our second mm -hmm. baby. And I really felt like the Lord challenged me that raising children was actually building kingdom. And so I went, all right, well, um, I will lay this down, although I love it, yep. and I will invest in my kids for mm. a season. Well, after maybe three years, when Tom was three, I got a phone call going, hey, um, Darlene is going to plant her own church and Joel and Reuben are taking over and they're not really sure what they're doing, so do you want to come and help? Yep. And so I came on as a contractor because I have a human resources background to help them restructure our creative department. Mm. And I thought I was going to do that for two months or three months, and maybe after three years, we finally formalized it and I started working back at church again. Yep, yep. And then I started running the department at one point in time, Brian reorganized and restructured and I ended up taking the helm for creative globally and locally. Wow. Give me your take on creative ministries. I mean, what, what is, is, it? Is, it? Is, <laughs> is it just, is it just the idea that you can, you can sing and get creative people on a platform or is there, is there something, what is it about? The, the creative ministries, that's important. It's my favourite thing in the world. Um, I actually think that there is a deep mystery in creative ministries, that it is a beautiful way of partnering with God to reveal his hope and his imagination for the world. Mm. That is what I hope it is. Yep. Um, I think it is far more than singing. I think singing and music matter so much to God. Yep. Like I love that in the Bible, all the stories, when he announces his son's birth, he does it with song. And he talks about how around his throne, there are angels mm. singing, holy, holy, holy. It says that he sings over us songs of salvation. Like singing is very much a part of it. But then I think that there is so much more that he has graced and gifted people with, that we have all these methods for communicating the message, which yep. is the gospel. Yep. And I watch in our team, fashion designers and artists and architects and and writers and songwriters and stage designers and lighting directors and filmmakers all actually find their place in telling Jesus' story. Wow. And I feel like it's maybe a little bit like a diamond where every expression, they kind of shift a little bit and go, can you see him like this? Can you see him like this? Can you see him like this? And they show different facets and different ways yep. of expressing God's glory. How do you describe creativity? I mean, what is it about being creative? 
<laughs> what is it? I think the creator creates creatives. Mm. And I think creativity is how you choose to outwork your life yep. and how you choose to tell the story. Yep. And I think creative people can be everything from accountants, although I'm not sure you want a creative <laughs> accountant, but it is yep. far greater than the arts. Yep. It's actually yep. ways of approaching problems and looking at life that brings solution. Because in a lot of church settings, that seems to be the, the creative team of the people that's lead worship right. through song. Definitely. So and it's very narrow, right? Yes. And you're trying to expand that? I would love to expand it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I think we do. Like um, we had our Worshipman Creative Conference the other week and there was a guy there who is um, Melvin from Song for the Mute and he is a fashion designer and he's just started a partnership with Adidas and he was just talking about how God's opening doors and how he designs clothes and as he's doing it he senses God's glory and his goodness and people ask him all the time what is it about what you're doing and so something in the beauty actually evokes mm. response and questions yeah and I love that yeah how do you see it coming out of people? You know, somebody that's sort of sitting in a pew somewhere, part of a small group, not doing very much. Can you spot the, the, that ability? <laughs> do I have a special talent? Yeah. What, um, what do you look for? I like to ask questions. Mm. And I think that um, I'm so aware that as a pastor, my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yep. So I'm always looking for what has God put in you that actually finds its expression yep. here? And how do we tap that? And how do we use it? And where does it fit? Mm. And I don't know that it necessarily always fits in church, but I see people using their creativity and their God-given gifts in all sorts of areas of our community and finding ways of drawing people mm. into the story. Yeah. I can... Um, we do something called the 100 day creative challenge over summer and we set a challenge for our team where we go look for the next 100 days every day try to just do something creative and let's see where you end up at the end of 100 days anyway there was a girl in our team who had a friend in the underground church in china and she gave her our 100 day creative challenge and she said let's see what you could do maybe and so this girl had an incredible painting talent and so she and a girlfriend got together and for a hundred days, they decided to paint on canvas the stories of the Bible. Mm. And so she painted like burning bushes and the Red Sea, and she painted all sorts of things that we are really familiar with. But she said in China, because they cannot tell people, um, they can't evangelize, mm. people don't know the stories. So after they'd done their 100 day creative challenge, they took all these paintings and they hung them in a gallery downtown in one of the cities. And she said they just opened up the doors of the gallery and people began to stream in off the streets. And they would just come in and they would look at these paintings and they would start crying. And she goes, they had no idea why they were so emotional at looking at the art, but they sensed something different. And she said, we had the most incredible opportunity to tell them our yep. stories. Yep. And I go, art just made a way. Yep. And what was in them just started to come out like you're talking about naturally. Wow. Wow. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Olive Tree Media. Our vision is to create a library of resources that tell the story of the game-changing message of Jesus. This interview was recorded for our latest documentary, Faith Runs Deep. Our other award-winning series, Jesus the Game Changer and Towards Belief, plus many other small group, church and school series are available on our Watch Plus platform for a small monthly partnership. 
As you partner with us, you not only get access to compelling video content and interactive discussion guides, but you also support the creation of more resources that help share the gospel message. To become a partner and get access to Faith Runs Deep, visit olivetreemedia.com.au. Cass, growing up, where did you grow up? Um, Sydney, then Melbourne, then Sydney. Oh, really? So you yep. started in Sydney? Started in Sydney. Yeah. And I think we were here until I was in grade five. Right. And then my dad worked for Hill Packard and they had a job transfer to Melbourne. Okay. So we moved to Melbourne. Do you remember moving to Melbourne? I can remember moving was, to Melbourne. Was that traumatic or wonderful? Um, I think it was probably a bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> but... I love Melbourne. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I am a Melbourne girl. Yep. I support AFL. Yes. I I like Melbourne culture. I like Melbourne people. I like Melbourne city. Yeah. And I live in Sydney. So I'm married rich and we yep. have two children, Lily and Tom. We grew up in a Baptist church yep. in Melbourne. Yep. He came across as a teenager. And at one point in time, he went, I really would like to plant churches. And right. I feel a call to ministry. And I think... I've never seen a pastor talk about his relationship with Jesus like Brian Houston. Mm. He had come and done Hillsong Conference a couple yep. of times yep. and was a sucker for the music, actually. He <laughs> yeah. was a guitar player, songwriter. Yeah. So then we came here for two years okay. and we were going to leave. Right. And that was 25 years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel That's like a long two years. Yeah, it was a very long two years. Do you, do you like it? Do I like Sydney? Yeah. Look, I love Sydney now. I love the people. Yep. Yep. When we moved originally, one of my fleeces was, God, if you want us to move, make people I love move. Oh. And Reuben Morgan had been my closest friend through school and yeah. he was living here. My bridesmaid moved to study HIV nursing in Sydney. About three or four other friends moved. Wow. And then my dad, one day, we went home and said, hey, we're contemplating a move to Sydney. Can you pray with us? And he went, yeah, we'll pray with you. And just letting you know that I'm moving to Sydney um, I have a job transfer back. Really? And so literally it overlapped at the same time that we were considering it. So we wow. moved back, put everything in their truck yep. and moved in with them in yep. Cherrybrook, which is just down the road from here. So so yes. people who know the kind of Hillsong Christian music scene would right. know the name Reuben Morgan. Is it kind of a bit surprising that you guys are in the same church? I mean, and what was And that? Ben Fielding. Do you ben, know Ben Fielding? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was just a little local Baptist church, but yep. it probably had 500 people yep. and a really yep. thriving youth ministry. Yep. And I grew up like leading Sunday school and kids' church and yep. girls' brigade or girls' club on a Thursday night right. and was heavily involved in youth on a Friday. My dad was an elder. My mum ran the local um, retirement village on the property of the church. So <laughs> yeah. wow. I think we were ingrained from early days. Yeah. Well, tell me about your your relationship with your mum and dad from a faith perspective like how did they pass on faith to you like i mean clearly you, you get taken off the church and stuff yeah. is there is there a, what other parts oh, yeah. of that my, process? my parents are spectacular people oh. actually my mum has a very very simple faith yep. she does not think too much about anything um, we would grow up driving to school and she would sing some random Thank You Mr. God for a Lovely Day song and Faith was so wow. super practical. She prayed for car parks and she got them. She would sit on the end of my bed at night and talk to me about my friends and then pray yep. with me for them. Yep. She would turn up at school when there were troubles with friendship circles yep. and girls who had had abortions and all sorts of things. My dad 
is a theologian. He okay. wrestles okay. with faith. He sits at the table with piles of books and questions everything that you think. Okay. He yep. would say on a Sunday afternoon, I'm going to become a Muslim. Oh. And you go, you can't, you can't. Yeah. And you go, why not go away and research it for a week and come back and give me a better answer. Oh, gosh. He yeah, was, yeah. He was the ultimate in... Um, faith deserves to be questioned, yes. deserves to be wrestled with, and you will develop a robust faith that is your own, not just yeah. What about for you and your kids? I mean, it's, yeah. I, you know, somebody around a church and having kids in the church, and it's it's not always easy, that mix of ministry and, and family. Right. For you, how does that work, passing your faith on and that relationship? <laughs> um, sometimes I've wondered if we have, <laughs> and other times, yeah. but... To be honest with you now, the kids are a little bit older and yeah. I love watching them at home. I I will walk into Tom's room and his Bible would be open, it's all marked and he has an incredible group of guys that are his friends that they pray together and they do yeah. Bible studies together. Yeah. Incredible leader. Um, over COVID, he actually started a Monday night Bible study and had about 80 kids coming on a Monday oh, night to this school Bible study. Yeah. And like, he... He loves the Lord, he loves worship, he loves church. He, if we're on holidays, he will be the one begging to be allowed to go to church. So and he seems to have got it fairly well. He's got it. <laughs> and he's probably a lot more like my mum. He has yep. a very practical, simple yep. faith. Yep. And then my daughter is much more like my dad. Okay. Where she wrestles with why and how yep. and... Yep. Um, she wants to make a difference and she wants it to actually count and she wants to find solution mm. and she goes, if Jesus is actually the answer, then let's do this thing and let's yep. do it well. Yep. So Nice. Yep. She's planning to study law next year so she can be a social justice lawyer wow, because she definitely doesn't want to do ministry. <laughs> <laughs> but she does want to bring Jesus to people's lives. Wow, that's fantastic. And for you and Rich, like uh, kind of working together in ministry roles, <laughs> is <it> kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's been a wrestle, like yeah. actually. Um, we are very different people. Yeah. I thought when we first got married we were exactly the same, but we are very different people. Yeah. But yep. our strengths balance each other up. Yes. Yeah. 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 So he is very, very um, consistent and predictable and thoughtful. And Didn't you say he was good at music? <laughs> he is good at all of those sort of things too. So what good what musician is, is all of those things? No, do you know what? Actually, a lot of them that I know these days, I think I've discovered musicians are a lot more... Um, Routined than I ever imagined. Is that right? Yes. Is it, do you think and that's, disciplined? Do you think that that's what makes some of them great musicians? Yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Because you, you know, if you're very good at a particular musical instrument, oh, that yeah. doesn't come without hours no. and hours and hours. Then they say it takes ten thousand hours. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, the classic ten thousand hours in anything. You know, wow. And yeah. I would say most of the guys that I work with, they have dedicated themselves and disciplined themselves. To yes. Yes. With your role, how do you see faith and spirituality and creativity crossing over? Yeah, I, I think it is that faith is a message and creativity is a method. Mm. And I think that as that intersection happens, people find their ways of expressing the faith that they have. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you feel that there's a sort of spiritual nature of what people do in that? When they create? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're image bearers, right? And yeah. we are creating and reflecting a creator God. Mm. The very first thing that God reveals himself as is a creator. Mm. And then like 
there's so many ways that I like. I love the story in Exodus. I think it's 31 where there's Beazel. He's the he's the artisan. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the very yes. first time that the Holy Spirit comes upon a person yeah. is in order to create for the temple. Yes. And I love that because I go, God values creativity. Yeah. He values the artisans and the craftspeople enough to actually allow his Holy Spirit yeah. to help them create. Yeah. And I think you see that in Jesus, how he delivers a message. Mm. He's always thinking creatively about ways to communicate the gospel. N.T. Wright says, um, when there's the Eucharist and, and the breaking of bread, that he could have given us a doctrine or a teaching, but instead he gives us a meal and he gives us a symbol yep. with which to actually remember yep. what he's done. And I think time and again, you watch Jesus, he's on the lake, he's telling stories, he's actually finding ways to creatively make mm. sure they get the truth. Yep. And I think that's the same with artists in our community yeah. and people who are creative. You said before you didn't turn out to be a fabulous piano player. Yeah, I wasn't but, very good but at is it. Music, <laughs> but is music your primary area of expression no. creatively? Mm. Definitely not. Um, I would say I, I, I sang because that was what you did in a little church, right? That was how you got involved. Yep. Um, my team would probably laugh if you ever said I was a musician because I think I'm a jack of all trades, a master of none. Okay. I have a strong appreciation for everything. I have enough musical knowledge to know they can't pull the wool over my eyes. <laughs> but I love, like, if I had a passion, it would be art and drawing and painting. It would be imagination and creativity and thought and probably storytelling and words. If you had a year off and you didn't have kids to look after and a husband looked after himself and you were doing a creative year, what would oh, you do? I like words. I would be tempted to write and I would paint. Yeah. Yeah, I would draw. Wow. And if I could do, if I was really clever, I'd be a sculptor <laughs> or maybe an architect. <laughs> so there's, there's something about that creative process. Of, oh, I love the creative process and yeah. I, I I laugh because sometimes I speak. And so when I, when I speak, the process is painful. Yep. And my husband will often go, oh my goodness, you are a tortured creative in this process. It is constantly refining and thinking and, and is it good enough? It's not good enough. I hate what I've done. <laughs> like that whole process that yep. I watch our team go through to generate anything. Yeah. Does everything that's created need to be useful? No. No. So <laughs> That so makes creativity utilitarian. I just mm. don't think it is Yeah. I, at all. I think art, you can have art for art's sake. Mm. Art can be beautiful. Like it can, well, I guess the question is what is useful? Yeah. Because I think beauty is useful. Is there, is there any tension in your role between those two things then? Um, no. Okay. I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I think when I think of the church, I think of the Queen of Sheba when she walked in and said, oh my goodness, it's more beautiful than anybody ever tells me. And I go, if that, my role is to help bring that alive for people, that they would walk into church or they would encounter Christians and go, oh my goodness, it's more beautiful than I imagined. The people are more beautiful. The art is more beautiful. Yeah. And I think one of the most creative things that we can do is actually disciple people and make them reflect God. Yeah. And so the, that notion of creating something for its own sake yeah. is a, a spiritual exercise. Yes. Don't you think so? It's worship. Yeah. I, um, 
I think about the woman with the alabaster jar and she breaks it at Jesus' feet and everybody goes, oh my goodness, that was a very costly offering. And I think about our songwriters in the process of creating songs and I think they write more songs in their bedroom for God than anybody will ever hear on any platform or any stage. And I go, that's costly worship. That's mm. extravagant waste that they're just creating for God alone. Yep. And I think that that's better than anything. Yeah. You run major conferences yes. and, and they have all sorts of different elements of creativity within yes, the conference. <laughs> Tell me about yeah. the process. So you get together in a room and somebody oh. comes up with an idea and you say, no, that's terrible. Or how do you, how do you draw out of them? You know, that, that whole tension point of this is what we've done before or this is what I've seen somewhere else and I'm reproducing that. How do you get that unique, fresh, new creative moment? I don't know that we always do. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to say that we do, but I'm not sure that we always do. We definitely um, have a love for imagining and for brainstorming and dreaming. And there are definitely people in our world who are really graced for that mm. and who bring ideas to the table. We often have to go, this is a blue sky meeting because we also have those people who are realists who go, oh, no, no, how would you ever do that? And I think part of the joy in creating is the anything is possible phase and the limitlessness yep. of things. So we, we start in that ideation phase. We have a three-stage process it's called the ice flow. It's ideation, um, creation and execution. And so you're allowed to do certain things in certain phases. Okay. So in the ideas phase, nothing is too crazy. In the creation phase, everything is tested and can we actually pull this off? And then the execution phase is, did we meet brief? Are we on track? Are we telling the story well? Mm -hmm. yep. There have been moments where we have created things and at the end of the day, like either um, somebody will say, don't quite know what you were on about there. And I feel like at that point in time, my heart sinks and I go, oh, we missed the mark yep. because the message was the most important thing. Yep. Yeah. When are you most moved by the creative process? Actually, it can be anywhere. It can be in the ideas when you say, when somebody brings something, you go, I've never thought of it like that. Let's tell the story that way. I'm surprised by what you bring. Mm. I think it can be by watching people actually in their gifting doing things that they were born to do and go, oh, this is actually wonderful. They mm. are in the perfect fit. It can be watching our team have a win or overcoming a problem or an obstacle that they did not think that they could get around. Because obviously in this creative process, often there are moments where things fall over and everything fails and the problem solving skills needed to bring that mm. back around are real. Yeah, yeah. What do you think has made Hillsong such a creative powerhouse? Um, the grace of God. <laughs> I think Brian and Bobby both have a love for the arts mm. and a belief in the creative um, expression to move people's hearts. Mm. Mm. And I think they understand that it is a God-given gift that helps spark imagination and ignite hope. Yeah, yeah. So this series is called Faith Runs Deep. Cass, how do you see faith running deep in this nation? Yeah, um, it's interesting you ask that question because... Um, over the last little while, we have had a statement in our church called Artists Still Live Here. And it came from a conversation I had with Joel Houston about Williamsburg in the USA. We were talking about how at one point in time, all these creatives move into this neighbourhood because it's cheap and they can afford to be there and they can afford to work together and they build this real community and this hive of activity. But then the middle class actually look at what they've created and they're like, oh, their houses are starting to look cool and the area is starting to come alive and there's a cafe culture and there's all these sort of things. So the middle class move in and they make the prices of property so high that the artists have to move mm. out of the area. 
And we were talking at one point in time, he was walking through Williamsburg and engraved on, on the side of a road was artists still live here. And so there were some artists who had chosen in spite of the cost to not move out of the mm. neighborhood. And I've thought of that a lot in relation to Australia and faith and community. And I've thought about what it costs us to actually remain as um, people of faith in Australia, in a secular society that mm -hmm. doesn't actually value the contribution of the church. And I think about that little statement, artists still live here. And I like to think about Christians still live here, that mm -hmm. actually our country is rich with heritage of faith. And people, like, I think the Lord said he would build his church. And so I think he had a commitment to Australia well before we ever did to build a church that would last, yeah. that would be deep, that would be right at the heart of this country. Mm. I was sitting around the table with my dad the other night and he started telling a story. He's been doing our family tree. And so he, he said, oh, do you remember the Christmas pudding recipe that we have? Well, it, it's well known and it's like you get it when the mother dies, you get passed on this <laughs> recipe. It is like prized in yep. our family. And it is a lady called Clara Wheatley's recipe. And he said, do you know Clara Wheatley's husband was Josiah Wheatley? And when Josiah Wheatley came to Australia, he was commissioned by Charles Wesley to come to Australia and to ride around the country on horseback and to plant Methodist churches because they had seen such revival in mm. England at the time. And I sat at the table with dad and my 18-year-old daughter, my 16-year-old son, and we went, wow, um, our faith runs deep. Mm. And that was a discovery for you? Oh yeah, I, like I had no idea. Like I've grown up with Christian parents and grandparents who have definitely passed on faith. Yeah. And I feel the responsibility of passing faith on to my own children. Yeah. But I had no idea that, um, we've always talked about where does it come from? And dad goes, I made this discovery that Charles Wesley had actually ridden around England on yeah. horseback. And he found your great, great, great grandfather and commissioned him to come to Australia and do the same. And I love that because that's like revival spirit, right? Yep. That they, they left everything that they knew in England and came here in order to see the gospel advance in a yep. foreign land. Thank you for joining me on this podcast as I unearth stories of faith in Australia. To watch the full Faith Runs Deep series and all Olive Tree Media content, go to olivetreemedia.com.au and sign up to the Watch Plus platform and partner with us today.